Hear the word of our Lord from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, beginning in the 18th verse. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So this at last, at last, finally, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Ish and Isha. You know, I gotta wonder, if up until this point Adam had had access to Rolo Tomasi or to Royce, or maybe the more defunct Manosphere blogs out there, like The Spearhead, how do you suppose Adam would have replied to God in that moment? Would he have said, at last? Or would he have said something like, God, you can't do this to me. I read up about hypergamy. I read up about solipsism and the rationalization hamster and Oh, God, how, how could you fate me to this doom here? Oh, oh, Lord, I'm in for it now. Why don't you just send me to hell already? Might as well. You know, I begin to wonder these days if he really would have acted up like that. Would he have told God, hey, put, put this rib back in my body? Thank you very much. I want no part of it uh, because this individual that you gave me is part of the sex that destroys societies and families and everything. I would rather be alone than divorce raped by this woman you gave me. Thank you very much, God, but no thank you. Would Adam have said that? Or how about Eve? Would Eve had echoed the words of the bride in the Song of Solomon. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. Would all of her friends in Song of Solomon chapter 1, would they have replied to her joyous pronouncement with, we will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. 
rightly do they love you. If the website Feministing had been around, if Jezebel had been around, would this woman in Solomon's book have been so joyous? Or would she have said, how could I have this happen to me? This man is clearly a woman-beating, wicked, evil, disgusting, rapist, pig, patriarchy, misogynistic, male-privileged individual who is only going to brutalize me, use me as his personal 3D printer made of flesh for more little men to go out and rape people. Oh, woe is me. Would there be any expression of delight between man and wife if these blogs were around in the ancient Near East? Or even all the way back to the beginning? I honestly don't know. On the one hand, articles from the Manosphere and articles and books written by feminists are all very, very, very convincing to various people as they read them. And don't get me wrong, there's always at least a grain of truth in a lot of what they say. But, on the other hand, Adam was righteous, at least in the beginning, before the fall in Eden. And when the Song of Solomon was written by King Solomon, people had the Law of Moses and would have maybe known a bit better than to trade the kind of words between men and women that we have seen in the past 15 years. Let me explain. What is the Sixth Commandment? The Sixth Commandment is you shall not commit adultery. Very well. You must be faithful to your spouse rather than unfaithful to him or her. You shall not commit adultery. At the same time, this bars sexual sin, which would be far less prevalent in Mosaic societies, at least if you compare it to our hyper-pornified fornication reich that we live under today. Yet there's also another commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Here's a temptation that people will have if they get into Manosphere stuff or feminist literature. First, they will be tempted to commit adultery. They will look at their spouse, if they have one, and decide, wow, I don't feel any need to be loyal to this individual. I may have loved them for X number of years, but there is no need for me to love them anymore. She is just going to leave me someday, and the Duluth model of abuse that is basically government policy everywhere will guarantee that I will be branded an abuser, and I may end up facing legal repercussions for even knowing about the Duluth model. Oh, he is just using me. Men are wicked, selfish pigs. And after all, I've heard from the scum manifesto that all sex, all PIV sex, is some sort of rape. And besides, being a homemaker is just living in a comfortable concentration camp when I could be out there chasing my dreams and showing the world that I am equal to men. This man that's been using me, he probably knows better, doesn't he? 
these blogs, these movements, while again, many of them, especially from the manosphere side of things, have good resources for people, they destroy lives more often than they build them. First, by sowing distrust between spouses. The moment a woman starts getting into feminism, quote-unquote, and starts looking into the real nature of marriage and how society ended up, she will be tempted to begin hating her husband and using the federal and state resources uh, provided so that she can blow up her family. Oh, this happens so often. And on the other side, there are men who, they get into game. They get into uh, pickup artistry. They get into how women work. And they start thinking, maybe I shouldn't be trusting this woman because I know how she works. And now I know, even if our marriage did fall apart, like, heck, dude, I don't want to be a beta male, uh, beta bucks provider archetype for this chick. I can go out and start slamming some puss, just like when I was younger. Oh my goodness, is that everywhere. You can do Google searches on X, Y, or Z thing ruining a marriage. You can just Google how the manosphere ruined my marriage or ruined my dating relationship. You can Google how feminism ruined my marriage. My wife left me after she started reading Friedman. It's all over the place. And now don't get me wrong, it is good for young men to know where we stand in society today. Because legally we are discriminated against, legally we are second-class citizens, legally you are considered disposable by a society that, generally speaking, doesn't like you very much and hates you. Hates your nature. Hates everything about you. Don't believe me? Ask why the draft is men only. Now, the feminists will say this is patriarchy hurting men as well. Eh, well, okay. But what happens every time the Senate in the United States decides, uh, maybe we should start drafting women? All these feminists, they'll either say, well, there shouldn't be a draft anyway in the first place, and that's just unjust, or they'll all start becoming trad wives real stinking fast. Remember, in a lot of states, here in this country at least, the draft is mandatory for all males age 18 to 25 if you do not sign up for selective service, and if the draft gets called, if you do not show up to that recruiting office, to MEPS, you will lose the right to vote. Women get the right to vote because they're women. Ah, yes, I see. A man being loved in this country or valued in any way, shape, or form is going to be purely transactional. It's good for men to understand this, sure. And I honestly think that the only blog worth reading from the old manosphere is Dalrock, D-A-L-R-O-C-K. Every single young man should read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. Especially because they will come to the understanding that the church, even quote-unquote conservative churches, 
have almost universally sided with first and second wave feminism at least. There was a backdoor agreement between conservative pastors and theologians and feminists, it seems. Uh, the feminist told the complementarian, you hold him down while I rob him. We're going to extract all sorts of resources, perks, everything from men, and you got to make sure that they are told that it is their fault always when their wife leaves. And they need to man up and be a better spouse. And by that, we mean obeying her soul essence or whatever the every man's battle guy said. Don't read that book, by the way. Every Man's Battle is a total piece of trash. The people that wrote it had, like, failed marriages. One of the authors had been married four times. Just embarrassing. Embarrassing. And the uh, line of submit to your wife, just in total contradiction to scripture, is what did it for a lot of it. It's good for young men to understand the risks and to understand that the world is hostile against them as men. On the flip side, it is also good for women to understand some of the risks that are out there in society today. I mean, look, for all the guys listening to this that are like, how could you say that? Oh my gosh, are you being a simp? Are you being a beta? Okay, put yourself in a woman's shoes. You're a young woman, 18, 19 years old, and there are Tons of thirsty pickup artists out there that would just love to pump and dump you. And those same people that want to pump and dump you just use you for a night. Like a disgusting rag that they keep under their bed for special alone time. If they get that, they will turn around and tell all their friends, you're a slut. Don't marry you. And of course, fellas, we can't forget that right-wing men's circles, whether that is the manosphere or the pickup artist community, uh, traditionalists, etc., have been giving women a lot of mixed messages. Of course, we're not a monolith, but that just means that every man disagreeing with all these other men is going to tell the same woman something different. So, let's take the traditionalist angle, right? Because I am a traditionalist. People should be virgins up until their wedding night. And I don't care whether they're male or female, it is deeply sinful for people to be fornicating. But let's go with this example. A young woman, 17, 18 years old, starts discovering the traditionalist mindset and she decides she is going to be a pure girl until marriage. She starts dating around and has a lot of failed dating relationships from guys that wanted to get into her pants. Even guys from church. Oh boy, lots of young guys from church just wanted to sleep with her and none of them were ready for the responsibility that comes with being a Christian husband, were they? So she keeps dating and keeps dating and she tries to get somebody to play matchmaker for her and let's say that she's lucky. She's lucky to be one of the 0.2% or whatever of people that are virgins on their wedding night. And the individual that marries her is a traditionalist man. A rad trad, if you will. Now he expects her to be a porn star. 
this woman who's gone her entire life hearing that sex is icky, it's gross, etc., is suddenly expected to be a sexual acrobat, a Cirque de Sex Soleil performer every night. Because this young man that she was dating is probably somebody who's had their run-ins with porn, and he hates that, and he turns to a lot of radical traditionalism to fight against that and to voice his displeasure with his own manhood. So suddenly now, she's in a bind. She was told, be pure, be pure, be pure, and now he says, well, you gotta be impure for me. Suddenly now... She's catching flack for being a prude and frigid for doing the things that she was told to do that if you don't do this, you are going to be a wicked, ugly, evil slut. Hmm. Oh, and we can say for certain that it's a time and a place thing, right? You want to remain pure until marriage, and I agree. But the voices out there speaking on account of Radical traditionalism, ho 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 ho, they love to tell you that you should be so chaste that your wedding bed has a whole lot of restrictions on it. We talked about this in the Wither Onan episode of the Sex and Marriage series, where oh my goodness has the church had a hateful relationship with the topic of sex, which is something God created. But that's the message going on there then she's not supposed to be doing a heckin' onanism when her husband, who was starved for affection from the female sex all his life, is suddenly asking for things that she feels are immoral because the church told her, oh, if you wear lingerie, your husband's gonna lust after you too much. That's gonna turn the bedroom into a bordello. Oh, oh you can't touch him in his penis. Because then he might, he might spill his seed, and God would say that deserves death. So now this young woman is receiving so many different messages that at some point she very well may think, well, maybe these feminists, women, can talk for me about who I am and where I am. Oh, that's going to happen more and more is... Our society struggles to understand who the heck we are in relation to sexual uh, relationships, marriages, everything. At the same time, guys are wondering why they keep getting rejected. Why do they keep seeing dating profiles that say, unless you're six foot plus, don't even talk to me. And they've noticed that a lot of jerks are getting laid. (laughs) That's what they're going to see. Women are going to see their favorite female icons, empowered, happy, uh, doing whatever they want. And they don't know that those female feminist icons are oftentimes miserable. The woman who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, she's very alone, very sad. Her lifestyle wrecked her. Same with a lot of the writers and stuff for Sex in the City. It destroyed them. At the same time, you don't see that other half of the manosphere pickup artist community where guys are looking at a successful dude, he drives a nice car, he makes a ton of money, and he is just slaying chicks left and right, except he's not building anything. Nobody likes him. 
Nobody trusts him. He ends up getting lawsuits for child support because he really was a piece of crap that pumped and dumped too many women and eventually one kid popped out. That kid hates him. Oh yeah, kids come into the mix and all the players end up being hated by their kids for being pieces of crap. So I brought up the sixth commandment. Because a whole lot of both manosphere and feminist postings are imminently oriented to destroying what should be healthy relationships between men and women, a mutual distrust. Now, why would I talk about bearing false witness? Well, if you're married, your spouse is your neighbor. They are your most important neighbor. They are the neighbor that you should love the most, trust the most, and, well, have the best relationship with. If you start looking at feminist stuff, if you're a wife, and you start assuming that your husband is that, and you prosecute his motives all the time without any evidence for it, this uh, poor dude that would never see it coming if you divorced him, this guy that works hard for your family and you just all of a sudden assume that he's a bad dude and you start talking against him, you see all of his flaws and nothing but his flaws and start telling your family and your friends what a monster he is, you are living in a state of bearing false witness against your husband. Same thing goes for guys that are in the manosphere. They're married dudes. And suddenly you see in your wife that woman that you wake up next to every single morning and you see her as the avatar for the entire gynocracy. Oh man, you'll look at that woman and you never know exactly what she's thinking, but you know that she could turn on you at any single time. And you tell your friends, I don't trust her, man. I'm always wondering what she's doing when I'm away at work and... You know, she actually had a part-time job, and you know what? Women are whores, man. I bet you she cheated on me. I'm going to go get a paternity test for my kids. Boom. Living in a state of bearing false witness against the only neighbor that ultimately matters, your spouse. Because if you are married, fellas, ladies, literally no human being on the entire planet matters as much as your spouse does. Not your mother, not your father. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Your wife is the most important woman in the entire planet. She's the most important human being to you, if you are a husband. If you are a wife, same thing. This individual took you from your family. And you went with him. No human being is as important on the entire planet to you as your husband. I speak from experience, by the way. There was a while where I got into the manosphere. Absolutely, I could see some value in it. And to this day, I will tell guys, yeah, read Dalrock. Uh, learn a little bit of game for your marriage, which is really nothing more than just being attractive to your wife. Just don't do dread game, guys. Don't. And my wife had been in some chats with a lot of ladies that were talking to her about feminism. Uh, typically from Eastern Orthodox ladies, as oddly enough as that is. But she would hear about that. 
She would hear about all of her IRL friends talking about feminism and trying to get onto Team Woman and stuff like that. Both of us were hearing this day in and day out for a long time. What do you think that did to our marriage? Well, nothing bad, actually, because we talked about it. We talked about our priorities and talked about our concerns. And we both decided no other human being was as important to us as each other. I was able to talk to my wife and say, listen, there's a lot of people saying that you've got this sword of Damocles hanging over my head. And if I don't keep you happy, then... After you've hit the wall, you're going to start deciding you want to look for greener pastures. You know, there was an entire book called Rotating Polyandry and Its Enforcers that looks into this stuff. And, you know, I don't want that happening to our marriage. And she would say, well, yeah, but all my friends are pointing out when their husbands are uh, caught watching nasty stuff online. And uh, there's a lot of times where they're just not being considerate to their wives or fulfilling their needs both in and out of the bedroom i mean a lot of these guys just come home and then they expect a beer and a hot meal and then they play video games all night they don't even talk to their kids and we were able to just talk about it just talk about it and go oh well listen i don't want to be that to you and she would go to me well I don't want to be that to you. Okay, let's work on that. Let's be aware of the concerns brought up by the manosphere people, and let's talk about the concerns brought up by the feminists, and we can hash things out and continue to do marriage the biblical way. Ten years in, and we've never been happier. Our marriage works. And, of course, I'm sure there are guys listening that'll go like, Oh, just you wait, man. Your marriage is going to fall apart when Chad steps in. I'm glad you mentioned that. The Chad. The dude that comes in unannounced that wants to sleep with your wife. Well, okay. A lot of guys forget that they should be attractive to their wives. They should ask their wives, what makes me attractive to you? What do you like sexually? And a wife should be able to honestly, openly say, well, I like this. I like this about you, and I think you could work on this. And you can go, all right. And then do that and go above and beyond. A woman should be able to go to his man and say, well, what can I do? How can we stay attracted to one another what can I do to help that out? And he might say, uh, well, you got to lose weight or here's what I like. I like it when you dressed this way. I like when we do this in the bedroom, etc. And she can go, okay, I'm going to work on that. So long as the both of you don't expect instant results, she's not going to lose 25 pounds in a night, especially if she's had kids. And he's not going to become the brawny paper towel dude overnight especially if he just started hitting the gym. He's not going to be the sensitive, cultured thug with a lot of money, because I know you're probably going to want him to have more money and more reputation, maybe a little bit more sociable. Of course, this is going to take some time and some getting used to, which is why you work on it. A marriage is a living organism. Now, while the majority of the manosphere and feminist circles are going to be just absolutely filled to the brim with BS artists 
who don't know what they're talking about, but they're happy to ape the way other better writers talk, and they're more than happy to just make stuff up and expect you to believe it. My goodness, do the evolutionary psychology guys in the manosphere sound like idiots. Some of them are good writers, and some of them can tell you how things go, generally speaking, at least on a societal level. If you're married, you and your spouse can basically guarantee to one another that you are the exception to the rule. If, generally speaking, the whole alphas for seed and betas for need, let's not swear on this podcast, but the AFBB thing that a lot of Manosphere guys have more or less correctly pointed out, if that's true, you and your wife can decide that it's not true when it comes to her because you talk and work on your marriage. If the whole idea of men being selfish pigs that only want women for cooking and sex and nothing else, and she needs to go be quiet in the corner while he uh, knocks him back with his buddies until he's needed for sex, <laughs> if that's true, generally speaking, then a husband and a wife can talk about it, and the husband can be the exception to that societal rule. Believe it or not, as a Christian... In your baptism and in being regenerated by God himself, your will is freed. Weakly at first, but the formula of Concord goes into this. You have the ability to make real moral decisions. You can actually start pleasing God with good works. And you know what? Good works start in the home. Certainly, they start in your heart first. They start with your prayers in the morning and everything. But like the first human being that you should be doing good works for that glorify God is your spouse. Ah, uh, now, of course, somebody's going to say, what about the kids? Yeah, kids are important. You love your spouse more than you love your kids. Period. End of story. Your kids are the next priority underneath your spouse. And then, you know, it descends from there in terms of priority lists. But your kids are not going to thrive if you only pay attention to them and they have no healthy role models for how marriage and relationships work. Because if mom and dad aren't happy together, guess what? The kids ain't going to be happy. And they're not going to buy the whole let's focus on the kids thing if they see the two of you being miserable focusing on the kids. A marriage should be the green zone in the war between the sexes. Men and women are always going to have different priorities. They're always going to have different life strategies overall. They're going to want different things oftentimes. But when you are married, none of that matters insofar as your marriage is concerned. Strive to be the exception to the rule and talk about it. There are going to be a lot of guys out there that say, well, how do I red pill my wife? How do I red pill my wife on, like, relationships and sex and marriage and stuff? And, like, dude, before you, quote-unquote, red pill your wife on stuff, why don't you chit-chat with her about everything first? 
get a good base of communication so where instead of coming to your wife and saying, did you know about rotating polyandry? Did you know about like beta bucks? <laughs> Bet you feel bad for your sex now. <laughs> How about instead you talk to your wife like, honey, you know, I've been reading some stuff that kind of concerns me just about marriages in general and hearing some guys say stuff and I want to talk about it. I want to make sure that's not us. It really is that easy. At least it was that easy for me. Maybe if you're married right now, your wife or your husband aren't really as open to that. Or maybe there's a disagreement with what you're thinking about agreeing on and with what your spouse thinks. Like, a woman is going to be offended if you say, yeah, so this dude said all women are whores and marriages are a scam. What do you think about that? Or if a woman goes up to me and says, like, dear husband, I've been seeing a lot of women saying that marriage is a means of enslaving me and shackling me to crotch fruit that cries and it will shatter all of my dreams. Well, like, okay, a husband should love his wife enough to say, yeah, maybe all women are whores, but my wife is not. Even if you're a raging misogynist, which you shouldn't be in the first place, you should be a raging misogynist for everybody but your wife. And even if you are the, like, most angry, hates-all-men type of woman, you should be the sweetest woman in the world and the most doting wife on your husband. And, of course, on your kids, too. But this is where a lot of the insanity in our society comes from, is this war between the sexes turning into a siege mentality, and men and women just deciding they don't want relationships on account of what they're hearing. You know what that reeks, right? A whole lot of flipping destruction. A whole lot of loneliness. A lot of suicides. A lot of people getting into degenerate sexual lifestyles just so they don't feel so stinking lonely. People out there who lived it up and hoed it up in their 20s that they're now 38 years old and they don't have a kid, they don't have any family, and they're realizing, oh, nobody's going to be there for me at the nursing home when I'm old. Yeah, we're seeing that because people have taken to hating the opposite sex so much without ever wondering, maybe I can find a suitable spouse and then we can just work on being the exceptions to the rule. We can bring our concerns to each other. No, no. Everybody in society is just deciding we're going to dig our heels in and not move. And oh my gosh, are we going to pay the price for that if we don't fix it? Of course, any hope for fixing it is going to come from the church. And the church has been a wall. We're going to talk about that next week. There are a lot of churches that are teaching modern marital doctrine that doesn't work and only hurts marriages and then there are churches that are teaching the right thing and then adding to it a whole lot of really bad implications and logical things that don't belong in marriage yeah can't wait to tick everybody off there but we'll try to make it fun until then our lord bless you and keep you amen and amen